Wonderfully Weird Podcast. Here's your host, KC Hunter. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Wonderfully Weird Podcast. I am KC Hunter, author, programmer, developer, painter, amateur, cook, amateur, landscaper, etc., etc., etc. And this episode is another workshop writer's blog episode. We're going to be talking about some of the big names in the indie space because that is something that gets I see misrepresented outside of the indie space like inside of those of us who are self-publishers and indie authors and, and whatnot we all kind of know each other and we all kind of know the big names you're familiar with a lot of people you see uh, depending on the groups that you're in whether they're on Facebook or in, used to be on keyboards or Twitter or wherever so I'm going to talk about some of the ones that have influenced me. Of course, it's not going to be everybody because there are tons of indie authors who are majorly successful and or have a big voice or a combination of the two. And when I say majorly successful, I'm not talking about, oh, they, you know, they published a couple of books and they, you know, sold a couple, sell a couple a month. I'm talking about guys, people, men and women who are, you know, killing it, who are, millionaires to really be honest with you about it when you look at um the sales figures and the influence that they have so one of the things we should establish right off is that uh when i'm talking about these people i think a lot of the misconception is that self-publishing is when somebody just takes a book and he just throw it online and by happenstance they become successful with it uh, that's not the case anymore. There's professional self-publishing, which are people who, as I've detailed before on this podcast, people who go and hire professional editors who used to work for HarperCollins or Penguin or somewhere else, or they do, they do, or they're, uh, someone who's retired, who's still looking for income, which is a great thing. And by the way, if you're an editor, you know, the market is prime for you out here in a self-publishing space. If you're a retired editor who used to work at one of the major publishing houses, you got you got work for days and it's not uh, physical labor it's mental labor and if you're you you know you're still have your mental faculties about you you can make a lot of money doing it um and a lot of them do but you get go get those people you get uh professional cover designers you get a team of people to read your book as beta readers and there's a lot to be done there so there the book gets vetted um there's it's the, the quality of your book is not dependent upon whether or not you have a publisher or not. The quality of your book is dependent on how much effort you put into the process, which is something that I, you know, I'm still learning myself. Again, this, this podcast is not for me saying, Hey, I know everything. <laughs> it's like, cause I absolutely don't. Nobody does. I'm still uh, on my journey. I'm on my third full novel as a self publisher and I am seeing the the growth of this as a as a going from a hobby to a business, and it's very exciting because I just see that the more I do, the more the better I get, and the more fans I'm getting now. Um, there's thousands now of people who are uh, followers on my mailing list, and people who follow me on my Facebook page, et cetera, et cetera. Many of you listening to this are are some of those people. So that's just kind of an overview, a very quick overview of professional self-publishing as opposed to just somebody writing something and not editing it, not looking at it, just throwing up a first draft on <laughs> on Amazon. Some of the big names. For me, the first big name was Mark Dawson. Um, I had heard of a couple others before this, but Mark Dawson was the one, and many people know who Mark Dawson is. He is a author who writes the John Milton series. 
and it's a uh, spy thriller kind of series. Not really my genre that I choose to read. I've read a couple of his books and, you know, they're pretty daggone good from, you know, to be quite honest about it. I was expecting them to be kind of like, eh, but they're actually pretty good. There are some compelling characters in there and I really do enjoy talking about um, Mark, Mark's books because his Milton character is has echoes of other people like Jack Reacher because he's inspired by Lee Child and, and authors like that. So there are some echoes to other characters that you may know but Dawson does take his and this is very important for indie authors does take his character into a different space there's another author later on I'm gonna talk about who does that as well and that's kind of the key it's like he's it's almost sort of right to market and also doing your own thing right to market is a term that basically says you look at the market see what's selling and then you write something similar to that Unfortunately, a lot of times what happens is a lot of people just kind of write the same thing. How many Harry Potter knockoffs have we seen? How many Twilight knockoffs have we seen? How many Hunger Game knockoffs have we seen? That's really, I, you know, if, if you're just in this for money, you can do that. I, creatively, I find that to be meh. But, you know, peop, there are people who go about that too. But back to Mark. Um, so Mark has a course, and I found this course about two or three years ago. I can't remember when it was. The self-publishing formula, he's made this, and that's a whole other separate empire for that guy. Um, him and James Blatch, who do that side of it, they have these courses that you can take, and they're, you know, relatively expensive courses. They're not too expensive, but they do cost a bit of money because he's giving you a bunch of information. He is one of the first guys and one of the most prominent guys to be a self-publishing author and to be massively successful at doing it. So obviously the advice that you're going to get from him and his strategy, what he's done is very valuable and he's priced it accordingly. What you will find if you decide to go that route, if you are an author who's wondering whether or not you should go into self-publishing, I would definitely suggest going and taking Mark's courses. Uh, it is an investment in your career, but it is an investment that's paid off. I've already made enough money to pay off from what I've learned from what he's done, the money I've generated from using his tactics has already paid off. Even though I'm not massively huge like he is, I've already paid off long ago the uh, cost it took from taking his uh, course with the money I've made from the books that I've sold. So it's definitely worth it. Um, and now it's up from there. But he, what you're going to learn from Mark, if you follow Mark Dawson, he does have a podcast. Like I said, the self-publishing podcast is also on YouTube. And the courses and the books and everything else, he's got his own little media empire, and you're you're going to learn how to do this professionally, and that's a very important part. Is Mark, and even if you listen to his podcast and you listen to this guy talk and how he approaches things, he approaches things very professionally when it comes from the to the business side of being a publisher, a self publisher, an indie author, and that's an attitude that you really should adopt. I would say, if you have the if you have the temperament for it you should pursue it in that way and most of the self-published authors that i see who are massively successful the interviews i've heard from them they're all pretty much approaching from that way not all well not every single self-publishing author who's successful does it but many of them i should say uh follow that kind of treat it like a business aspect that mark dawson brings to the genre so i definitely would suggest him He's, uh, you know, he's an affable guy. He's a, he's a humble dude, 
He's way more humble than you would expect somebody who is, you know, basically built himself a, a media empire. Um, he does spend a, there's, there's a heavy focus on Facebook advertising with him because he is kind of known as the Facebook guy um, that is changing as, you know, technology changes and the, the market changes or whatever. But I would definitely keep in mind that it's not cheap. What he's telling you, again, it's a business. So he has invested a lot of money into his business and he's gotten a big return on that investment from the business. So you're, it's, there's no, with him, it's not going to be some cheap thing. Like, yo, if I just do steps one through 10, then I'm going to be a multimillionaire. Like Mark Dawson is doesn't work that way. There's a lot of work and a lot to learn. But if you, again, if you're a person who has a temperament, absolutely. Mark Dawson is the person you want to follow. Then there's Joanna Penn, Joanna Penn, uh, she's been doing this. She's kind of like one of the OGs of the self-publishing industry. And I think she get. I tend to think she got into it more because it was something she wanted to get into because she is very much a first adopter kind of futurist person. She likes new technology and getting involved in doing things and working with all the new things that come out all the time. And, you know, she's into, you know, microtransactions and she was into Bitcoin and she was into audio she was into a lot of this stuff before a lot of other people were into it so she's very much a future forward kind of voice in the indie space the real interesting thing about her is that if you look her up and there are ways to look up different authors if you look her up on amazon in particular she doesn't like have these like monster sales on amazon but that gets to a the a philosophy some authors are exclusive to amazon by ku kendall unlimited some authors like Joanna Penn are wide. And so what that means is that her books are available not just on Amazon through Kindle Unlimited. She's also on Nook and Smashwords and uh, Kobo and uh, iTunes and Google Play and all that other stuff. She goes wide and, and print books and everything else. So the primary focus is not just on selling ebooks and getting those reads on Kindle Unlimited. Uh, for those of you who don't understand what Kindle Unlimited is, Kindle Unlimited is basically like the Netflix of of books. So you can you have a subscription that you pay that readers will pay, and then any book that's in Kindle Unlimited up to a certain point you can read. And the authors who have and the publishers who have their books in Kindle Unlimited, there's this global fund, and depending on what percentage of the reads, and they track it all through your 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 uh, ebooks, obviously, what percentage you get paid out of that pool. So I think it's, I mean, it, it fluctuates every single month. I think it's, uh, for me, it looks like it's like a penny for every two pages that are read right now. And the more, obviously the more pages people read, the more you make. And there's a lot of people who make it a boatload and have been making a boatload of money doing that. But Joanna's different. She wants, she she's clearly got some issues with Amazon. <laughs> Joanna, I think it would be safe to say she's probably more on the progressive leaning side of things socially and politically. Uh, that does come across. She has a podcast too called The Creative Pen. It does come across uh, me personally and it's not so much a knock on her. She does seem a little preachy sometimes with some of the stuff that she says, but the information you get from her in the interview she does with tons of authors and futurists and everything else is very, very valuable. Um, so, you know, she, and she has a sparkling personality. She's so bubbly. Like when I hear Joanna Penn's podcast, I always, it's always like this warm, fuzzy feeling. It's like, ah, Joanna Penn, you hear her, that British voice. And it's like, 
oh, you know, you just want to hang out with Joanna and buy her a drink and stuff and just chill out with her and talk about all kinds of weird stuff about technology and everything else. She's really cool. But um, she's very good for it, the, the one thing, too, that she's very good at, sometimes to a fault, I would say. She's very good at making you at ease if you're a self-publisher and you're not, like, massively successful because there is kind of that, like, comparison-itis that we have, especially in the, I don't know, however many couple thousand of, of indie authors that are out there. And it's always like, oh, you know, you hear all these other people doing so well. When am I doing wrong? Why am I not doing it instantly? And it, it, it doesn't happen instantly. It is uh, a, a slog to sometimes. Some people get it really, really fast. And another author I'll be talking about, he, you know, achieved success very rapidly but most other ones it takes you know it's as steady as she goes you know stay the course kind of thing and then eventually you get there by just the accumulation of work and accumulation of getting your name out there but joanna's podcast is very good for you not to stress out about that too much because she does kind of she has a thing about speaking against certain um practices sometimes that like i said before mark dawson even though the two of them are like really good friends their philosophies on self-publishing are, are, are different in a lot of ways mark is very much on the advertising and the very analytical you know cold numbers cold facts about it where joanna she's like oh, i don't really do that much advertising i really don't do this so, you know and her thing is more kind of well you you know her method was to kind of you know have her finger in a lot of pies so she has a podcast and she does speak in engagement engagements she has a lot of uh non-fiction books about teaching how to be self-publishing and how it works uh she has her own fiction novels that she sells she does all these other things and and she advocates a lot for a lot of these other venues outside of just honing in on facebook advertising ams advertising bookbub advertising it's not just that she kind of has a a wider scope i did say it's almost to a fault sometimes because i think I think one of the things that I do find is sometimes you can listen to her say, well, you don't really have to do that. But by doing that, you, you know, you might not be focusing as much on it. So I can imagine that there's some people go, oh, whew, Joanna says you can do it a different way. So I don't really have to worry too much about advertising on Facebook or or Amazon or whatever. And I, I think that's a little a little off sometimes. I, I, I kind of go, hmm. But I've seen a lot of people be very successful at doing it that way. And and I don't really know if it's not necessary. In fact, today, to be really be quite honest with you, um, as far as the my my opinions on it, I side more with Dawson than I do with Joanna Penn, just from my own experience. I don't think I don't see unless you're very, 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 very fortunate how you can uh, get your name out there and make any money in this day and age, the way the platforms are set up without doing some sort of advertising. Uh, you, you have to, otherwise how, you know, people aren't going to find you and you can have a blog and do all the SEO you want. If you can't, if people aren't looking at your stuff and you don't have it presented in a way that entices people to buy it, you're not going to sell anything. And you're going to be really upset and you're going to try to do all these other things, which also takes you can spend as much time building up all these other platforms like she does as you do concentrating and honing on your advertising stuff. It's going to take the same amount of time. So, you know, there aren't too many other Joanna pens running around out there. So who knows? Another voice um, is Chris Fox. Chris Fox, who doesn't, I don't think the the only time I've ever, in, ever interacted with Chris Fox, I don't think he particularly likes me, um, but we interacted one time on Facebook um, 
And because I I had an issue with uh, so many new indie authors really worrying about rushing their stuff out there and writing fast. And everybody was focusing on writing fast and writing fast and writing fast. I'm like, well, and, and, you know, he's of that group. And I mean, he's written books and made made some money off of writing books that teach you how to write fast, making YouTube videos about, you know, getting in 50,000 words in like five days or something crazy like that. And it's like, yeah, you want to write a lot of words. You want to write fast. You don't want too much space between your books in this day and age, especially if you're an indie author. But, you know, I've seen what my contention was is I saw a lot of people and I was doing it, too, and then realized the quality kind of was messed up a little bit because it didn't go through. I didn't properly do my due diligence because I was trying to go, yeah, just write it really fast. And that's part of where you get a lot of the complaints about the indie books is that they look rushed. They feel rushed. They read rushed. And a lot of people were doing that. Um, I think he took it as me criticizing him for criticizing him in particular. And I'm like, well, you've written, what's he written? Like 10, 12, 15. I don't know how many books he's written now. He's written a lot of books at at his stage. And in the stage of a lot of these other authors who can crank out a book every two months. Yeah. You've already, you've already learned that you've already gone through the pitfalls and everything else. My contention was with the, uh, the new authors who are on their first or second book and are like, Ah, I finished 80,000 words in two weeks. Done. Publish the book. It's like, no, wait, 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 wait. You, you, you need, you should go through your due diligence. None of us, especially if you're only on your second book, you are not proficient enough with the word, with, with all of the stuff that you need to really have, you know, second nature to you to be able to just go ahead and rush out a book in two weeks. That's not, that's what I was uh, advocating against. And he kind of took it personally, but that aside, <laughs> Chris Fox, I, I also found to be a very, he's got a very charming personality too, uh, especially his YouTube videos. Um, he's a very down to earth kind of a guy. Um, and he's very honest about his successes and his failures. And funny enough, I heard him on the Joanna Pin podcast a couple of months ago, and he actually kind of was walking back a little bit of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the quality of your writing is really what's going to endure the sales of your books. I was like, mm, yeah, kind of what I was saying, but you know, so it's, I don't, well, I shouldn't say he walked it back. He just kind of uh, was, he's espousing that now that the quality of the books is what really ultimately matters as far as your sales long term, because if the books are really good quality and it's something people want to come back to and read again, and they're going to suggest to their friends, you're going to make more money out of that in the long run than just rushing something out really quickly. And maybe the quality isn't quite so good. You can make money in the short term, but you're not going to have a long-term career doing that. Uh, to be pointed out, too, that's also some of Joanna Penn's thing is about having a long term career and not just focusing on one thing like advertising. But you can find Chris Fox on YouTube. I think he's got a course he's developing now that he's putting out there. So you can probably find that out. But YouTube is probably uh, as far as the platforms. That's the one I find with him that uh, his videos are very, very good, very, very helpful. Um, and again, the thing with him is he shows some of the failings so you can see somebody else, you, you know, it, it helps you probably. And I would say probably more than what Joanna Penn's thing does as far as saying, oh, you don't worry about it so much. His thing is he shows you that he did this. Th- he'll show you things that he did and he'll go, hey, and I did this and it, you know, it completely failed. But I learned and I blah, 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 and, and then fixed it. And I think that is that is very, very helpful is to see somebody who is successful like Chris Fox 
and then see where he failed and have him admit that he failed and maybe he did this wrong and maybe he shouldn't have done this, but how he also corrected it and then made it a success. That is the thing that I find with Chris Fox that is amazing. Derek Murphy. Um, Derek Murphy's a curious one. He is, he's been around this game for a while now and he's got a lot of good advice. However, a lot of his advice I philosophically have differences of opinion with. He, I, he, he's a, it's hard to kind of pin down where he kind of fits in this thing. Cause he's kind of an all around guru too. And a lot of his stuff is more on a presentation and marketing. He's very expert. You can learn a lot from him, in my opinion, on book covers and uh, just the marketing of your book and how to create a book that is going to be attractive to readers. I think that's his biggest strength as far as my opinion is concerned. And what I learned from him is about the strength of making something that people will want to look at and will want to buy. The philosophy on writing, I'm a little, I don't quite agree with him and his philosophy writing. He is a very big uh, right to market kind of guy as well. I read his Shearwater, I think it's called, yeah, it's called Shearwater Books. And uh, I saw some of the complaints about his Shearwater Books. Uh, and some of the uh, the uh, reviews of them and some of the some very scathing critical reviews of his book, which I looked at and I, I was like, mm, yeah, I don't know. But and I'm not saying this to kind of trash oh Chris uh, or uh, uh, Derek Murphy, blah, blah, blah. You know, he sucks. You know, that's not what I'm saying here. Uh, what I am saying is that, you know, he can probably not be for certain people. One of the other indie authors who I kind of helped her get her book out, I directed her towards uh, Chris Fox. As, uh, to Chris Fox. Keeps getting his names messed up. I directed her to Derek Murphy. Sorry, guys. I directed her to Derek Murphy and said, hey, check this guy out. And, you know, he's got a lot of good advice about, you know, self-publishing your book. And she came back to me. She's like, I don't want to do what he does. Because she was upset about the, the right to market thing. And, like, don't do something original. Do what's already out there, and she had a, and I personally have this issue too, uh, with that with that kind of philosophy. Because at a certain point, it's like, are you really writing your own book, or are you just copying Twilight and switching out vampires for you know angels or something instead of it being vampires as angels? You know, if that's all, you, it, but the story and the characters and the personalities and the plot points are basically Twilight. Should you do that? Me personally, again, it depends on what you're into self-publishing for. Me personally, I don't want to do that because I have my own stories in my head that I want to write and have my own voices and stories that I want to tell. I did get into it with him one time on social media a couple years ago, and he was like, well, you're just that's just propaganda. And I was like, no, it's not propaganda. I have a story that I want to tell. I have a message that I want to get out there through these stories. Um, most authors do. There is some sort of core philosophy, some core theme, some core core mor morals to the story. That's why that term exists. What is the moral of the story? And there are some morals to stories, to my stories that I want to tell. I don't want to tell Stephanie Meyer's moral to her story. I have my own ideas and thoughts. So there is that bit there. I do think Derek in the long run, I think the biggest asset with him is that he, he he gives you a lot of confidence and he does have some cold, hard facts, however, that you do need to listen to if you're about in this to sell books. If you're in this as far as I'm making a product to sell, 
he is definitely a person you want to listen to uh, as well. He want you want to be paying attention to him. If you're a little bit more on the original creative side or trying to, uh, you know, nothing's completely original anyway. But if you're more on the, I have this story in my head and I want to find a way to market this, he might not be the person you want to listen to. But if you're doing this as sole as primarily, I'm going to make a product to sell on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever. He is definitely somebody you want to pay attention to. Probably one of my favorite indie authors is Shane Silvers. Shane Silvers, oh my God, that Nate Temple series. He Now, here, here's a case of a guy who really quickly rose up there. I mean, I think it was like a year or two, and he just kind of exploded. Um, I've listened to his interviews. So Shane writes urban fantasy, kind of comedic, dark fantasy comedies. So there's a lot of... Um, Greek mythology and demons and and unicorns and minotaurs and you know werewolves and all kinds of crazy characters. It's a it's it's a riot of just outrageous, outlandish, uh, mythological and paranormal creatures and characters, and it's it's fantastic. Now, the first thing you will notice though, it is he in, even in his advertising, he draws comparisons to himself and Jim Butcher. But you will see in a lot of the reviews of his book that a lot of people say, well, this really isn't like Jim Butcher, but what it is, I love. And that's kind of the thing that that what I love about uh, the Nate Temple series and uh, the spinoff series that he has, too, is that it is familiar. There is a lot of Iron Man. It's like Iron Man as a wizard, even though that's really Doctor Strange. But the Nate Temple series is not Doctor Strange. It is its own thing, its own universe. That's very imaginative and inventive. And uh, I dig his writing and I dig his books and I dig the characters that he makes. And obviously, I'm not the only one because that guy grew a fan base like I won't say overnight, but I think in like two years, he just exploded. And like he's got there's like his fans went and made a a, a con, a convention just for him. <laughs> you know, and they just like, well, you don't have a convention. We're just going to have a, a Shane Silver's convention. And that's I mean, that's how powerful, you know. This guy's a self-publisher and like in a couple of years, he managed to get that, you know, but again, Shane's an outlier. He's that's an extraordinary case. It's not the average case, but that is a case when you listen to how he came about it. He was very business oriented with it and very much into telling a story, knowing where he was going, planning things out, strategizing them. But he's not like he's I don't think he's as strict as some of the other, you know, more business oriented self-publishers are. Um, he allows for a lot of creativity. You can tell he's very inspired by the Marvel Cinematic Universe because he's kind of created his own temple verse where he's got the Nate Temple series and then there's the Cali series and then there's the Ginger series and there's all these, and then they kind of meet up in other books and he's working with another author and they're doing collaborations and stuff. And the guy's just brilliant. Um, the way he's, he's building his own little empire. And again, only in a couple of years, it's really 2016, 2017, only two two and a half years ago that he built this in two and a half years. So it's pretty impressive. And he is uh dude's making bank. <laughs> you know, those, those books are flying off the shelf and he's also shown something that's very interesting. His books are not priced like a lot of other indie author books. Cause you really, if you're, if you're not really well known, you kind of want to keep your prices anywhere between 99 cents to three 99, maybe four 99. If you're pushing it, he knows that he has such an audience now that he's actually upped his prices or up at $5.99, $6.99, and people buy them because they love his series. And that's kind of he is a kind of the example of where you want to go if you're an indie author, because it's gone 
it's gone to that next level where he's kind of just a force of his own. And I, I would say in the foreseeable future, he can probably release anything. You know, he's at that point where he can release anything and there's guaranteed to be, you know, thousands and thousands of people who are going to buy his books and he's going to make a lot of money off of it. So that's pretty cool. I would listen to Shane. Shane doesn't do a podcast. Unlike a lot of the previous people I talked about, he doesn't really have a podcast, but he's not like a guru who's out here telling you how to do it. He's done a couple of interviews. There's a couple of videos, but that guy is an anomaly. And um, and the reason I he is my favorite indie author is because having listened to his story, he's the one that I find the most similar to myself. And that's something that you should take away from this too. Find an indie author if you're if you want to get into this, or if you're a person who who uh, wants to read some indie author books and want to know of quality indie authors to read. Shane is a good example of that. Find somebody who is in the genre that you like and who does who is familiar or similar to you as a person. I find a lot of listening to his interviews. I find a lot of similarities between his personality and mine. So that's why I dig that dude a lot. Lindsay Baroker. Uh, she's another old school one, along with Joanna Penn, who's been at this for a long time. And Lindsay didn't come up through the, the uh, hardcore advertising route. She came up at a time when, you know, you could kind of put books on Amazon and, you know, ha- I mean, I wouldn't necessarily entirely call it happenstance, but there was, a, you know, she, she said very time, she's like, ah, you know, it just happened. You know, it's like, I was like, really? It just happened? You know? But, you know, she she was she's a very good writer. She writes more of uh, traditional kind of fantasy books, some sci-fi and stuff like that. And uh, I, I think the key with her, she's got a, a, a podcast, a YouTube channel. She's done, she's, she speaks a lot about it, a lot of seminars and things. And she is wonderful. Her books are pretty damn good, too, uh, to be honest with you. And I'm not so much a fantasy person, but I just I have found the five or six books that I've read of hers just really engaging and they're books that I they're, they're she's one of the few ones that I am going to go back and read some of her older books again the books that I've already read because I think she's just I, I just like her writing style I think it's fantastic and again it's another thing you know you, you're going to find you know people in the self-publishing community that a lot of people think it's just oh their books aren't written that well there are really good writers in this industry and everything's not literature <laughs> it's not literature it's it's entertaining entertaining stories and entertaining writing and done in a way that makes you want to go back and read them again uh, and go back and visit those worlds. Just Again, it's the case with Mark Dawson's books, which is the case with Shane Silver's books, which is why people can't get enough of the Templeverse and same thing with Lindsay Baroker. So she's a very humble person too. I do dig that about her is that she's not out here going, hey, I know all the answers, you know. She's just kind of like, hey, this is what I did, and what are you doing? And that's cool. And, you know, that's that's her personality, and I dig that as well. You'll find that with many of the people in the self-publishing community, too, is that their personalities, they, these are some of the nicest people <laughs> you, you will ever meet in your life. They, they all, all of them really do have this genuine charm to them that is amazing. And of course, I would be remiss not to talk about one of the big daddies in there, Michael Anderley. And you just want to talk about empires. This guy has built a multi-million dollar empire. And again, not in a long period of time. It's only been, what, four or five years that he's been doing this. You know, if you look him up on Amazon, you'll see tons of books underneath his name. They're not all books that he wrote. They are books that he wrote along with uh, a lot of them are collaborations and, you know, some other authors he's 
brought underneath his umbrella. So he's kind of made this like little empire of himself, like his own little self-publishing publishing company. Well, essentially, I wouldn't even call it self-publishing anymore. Once you're at the point where you are, you have a company and you're getting authors and publishing their books underneath your brand and doing that, you're basically a publisher at this point. So he is a publisher. He made that out of the self-publishing format, though. And again, another analytical guy. Another thing that to be interested that you will find interesting, and I found interesting, is a lot of these guys, especially the males, used to be uh, marketers used to be in, uh, or in data. Uh, I think uh, Chris Fox was a programmer. Michael Anderley, I think he was a programmer too. A lot of the other successful indie authors, especially the males you'll find used to be uh, into technology or or data or programming or coding. Joanna Penn, even though she's not a coder, she's, like I said, she's a futurist. She's into gadgets and stuff. You'll find a lot of that in this genre. Um, not everybody, Mark Dawson's not, um, but you will find a lot of people in there who have some bit of a tech background. Oh, but Anderley, um, he got he had one really, really, really big book that exploded, and he just kind of rocketed off from there and built up this huge empire around it. Um, he gives a lot of seminars, which is a point we need to talk about here too, is the social media aspect of this. Uh, 20 Books to 50K uh, is a Facebook group where basically it's, it is what it says. You write 20 books, you should be getting 50K if you have 20 books uh, consistently a month. And, you know, it's a, and that, that formula is a little outdated now, but it's such a cool name for the group because it really isn't that, that simple. Uh, there's plenty of people who've written a lot of books and they're barely scratching by with 3K a month. So, you know, it's not, again, it's not the number of books. The number of books you write can get you to a point, kind of, again, short-term success, but if the quality of the books are high, then, you know, you, your your income is going to elevate uh, if they're really, really good books with really, really good characters and really good stories. Uh, but Anderley is another good example of that. And, his, and the 20 Books to 50K group is along with that too. Mark Dawson has his group. Uh, the SPF community, self-publishing form of the community. A lot of people, you'll find a lot of people are involved in that. A lot of people who are indie authors are, uh, you know, some of the big names I've mentioned are in that those communities. So you will be able to talk to them and see them if you are a writer. Now, as far as readers, if you're a reader and somebody who likes to read and you're kind of like, eh, I don't know about the self-publishing stuff. Um, I absolutely, if you're into thrillers, yeah, the John Milton series by, uh, Mark Dawson, it's pretty damn good. You know, I can't, you know, again, it's not my particular uh, cup of tea as far as the genre, but the quality of the, the writing is is better than you were probably a guess. You know, he's not quite Lee Child, but he's pretty damn good. Shane Silver's The Day Temple, I've already gushed about that. The Day Temple series, you gotta watch, you gotta read that. That's that That whole series is just so much fun. You gotta check that out. Michelle Maddow is another one. If it, and I would say if you're more into kind of more young adult romance, a little bit more, um, I say kind of related. I, I don't want to say Twilight, but it kind of if you're if you're a fan of Twilight, you'll dig her stuff. Like the Elemental series, uh, I've read two of those books in the series. Again, not my genre, but I can see why there's such an appeal for her books. Um, she also is from. She, you know, she's from my hometown here in Maryland. You know, that's where she came from. So she's living, I don't know where she's living at now, but um, she's one of, because I, I was looking for other indie authors from from Baltimore, from Maryland, and she's the only one I ever saw that she, I, I forgot where she was from, I think Towson or something. But um, 
yeah, she's she's pretty good. She's one of those ones up there who are pretty successful. Uh, MD Massey, uh, if you're into urban fantasy, that's another one. If you're into urban fantasy, to check out him, definitely. I would be remiss not to mention kind of the queen of this whole thing, or queens, or group, or we're not quite sure. But Bella Forrest, uh, my goodness. Bella Forrest is an indie author who, like many people know who she is, or they are. And there's quite, we're not quite sure. There was a, a long term, there was a controversy of whether or not Bella Forrest was one person or was multiple people writing these books. I think it's one person. I think it came, I, I haven't followed it too closely. I think it came out, but that was a rumor for a long time that, you know, the amount of books that she was putting out, that it had to be more than one person putting these books out. But Bella Forrest has an un crazy insane amount of books i think one of her series is like in the like part 60 or something like something insane like that she's got like this 60 part series it might be even more than that who knows uh but she is a multi best-selling author of the, the there's a shade of vampire series uh she's got like multiple series that are way into uh, high numbers of volumes i mean this is massive amount of money that she's making off of those, but like, and like insane numbers that she's doing. And I haven't heard, I don't think I've ever heard of an interview with Bella Forrest. I don't think Bella Forrest, I know she hasn't done some, any of the podcasts that I listen to, but uh, there are a lot of friends of mine who are readers who have heard of Bella Forrest. They even know she was a self-published author. And that's one of the funny things about that. It's like, a lot of people go, oh, I won't read self-publishing, but they read Bella Forrest. I was like, well, you've read you've read self-published books. You're reading Bella Forrest as a Shade of Vampire series. Those are all self-published. You're like, oh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, it's just there's a difference again between that and professional self-publishing and just throwing up a PDF on Amazon. But Bella Forrest is the success of Bella Forrest is fascinating, and you don't hear too much about her talked about in the indie community, even though she is an indie author. You know, I think it was like three a three year period. Her her series, which are basically paranormal fantasy, a lot obviously vampire fantasies, fiction. Um, she had clever marketing to tie herself in with the Twilight stuff when it was big and popular, maybe ten years ago or whatever it was. A shade of vampire, you know, Bella Forrest, you know, it's, it's like, you know, she kind of tied herself in with the Twilight thing through the, her author name and through the title of her books, which was very clever. But again, it comes to the quality of the books. She has a lot of books out, but people love her writing and eat those things up, you know, and again, another person has got a mini empire. So those are the big ones that I can think of off the top of my head. There's, there's plenty of other ones uh, out there. There's you know, the Kindlepreneur guy and, you know, I could go, I could go on, I could do another half hour about, uh, really successful indie authors. But the main point of this podcast is yes, it's a weird thing that, you know, the publishing industry, even though, you know, in a lot of respects, it's down, even a self-publishing industry, people look, well, it's not as successful. And there's a lot of crap out there. There is a plethora. And again, I've only scratched the surface of, of a handful of people. There are a plethora of indie authors out there who, A, are writing professionally produced books, B, are selling a godly, ungodly, I should say, amount of of money, amount of books and making an ungodly amount of money uh, doing it. And again, they're making 70% off of sales. Not They're not making 10 cents a book. They're making, you know, 70% of the sales price. So they're raking in the cash. 
You know, a lot of these people, you know, there are traditionally published authors selling as much as these people are and not making anywhere near the money they are. So you got to keep that in mind, too. These guys are keeping the, the majority of the money that comes in is going is they, they're keeping it. So they're making bank. Um, but even beyond that, the stories, the characters, the writing is generally really, really good. And they're enjoyable stories. And that is the hope. And that is the biggest thing. Uh, and the biggest inspiration from a lot of these people that I get from all of them. Uh, again, some of them I pay attention to and agree with more than others. But the one thing that kind of carries over and I get from all of these people is that there is a new democracy in literature. There's a new democracy in writing. There's a new democracy in storytelling. It's no longer 15 years ago. The only way you could be a successful multimillionaire author was through a publishing company. There was no other way at all. You could not do it any other way. Now you have multiple people who are multimillionaires. You don't even have to even be a multimillionaire. Even if you're only, even not your only, even if you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year. And I mean, a lot of people I'm talking about, they're millionaires, but the ones who are like a hundred thousand dollars a year, that's, you know, that's a pretty damn good living. There are plenty of them out there. Some of them I probably don't even know about yet. And they're all over the place. So, that's the biggest inspiration from the self-publishing industry is that much like the printing press made reading and writing available to many more people. Now with the advent of technology and the ebook and audiobooks and stuff, it has made being able to tell your stories and being able to put them out there in the public and being able to make a living off of it far more accessible. And we're hearing far more voices now than we would have heard before. And you can find almost any kind of nook, any kind of story, anything to binge read. You know, it's a fascinating, uh, fascinating development in as far as being a writer. And a lot of people now are reading more because of the amount of good books and good authors that they're discovering on Amazon and, and Barnes and Noble and Smashwords and Google Play. So I, I ultimately, I think it's a good thing. Yes, there are some quality issues with a lot of self-publishing, but I think if you stick with the people who seem to have established themselves very, very well in the industry, as a reader, you're going to be fine. And as a, a person who is an aspiring indie author, you're going to be fine following those people and seeing what they did and then applying a lot of what they did. And you're going to take from different people, applying that to what you are as an author. And I think you will do well. It is a weird world. But it's a fantastic new world that we've entered in as far as the publishing space. So that's this issue, this episode, this edition of the Wonderfully Weird Podcast, the writer's blog, the superstars of the self-publishing world. Let me know what you guys thought about this. If you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it on iTunes or Spotify, uh, definitely follow this channel. Uh, give me a vote like some stars on this podcast and next week we will be having an interview which is also related to publishing but more on a traditional publishing side with uh, Jack Gilden who wrote a nonfiction novel about football and also society and it's a very very interesting interview on the different aspect the different avenue of the publishing world and of storytelling so until then thank you guys for listening behave yourselves but not too much <laughs>